Um, my dad's on safari in Africa and he sent a photograph wow. through and Harry, my son, said, I said, look at the trees. They look really African, don't they? He went, yeah, they're acacia trees. And I said, how do you know that? <laughs> That's brilliant. Anyway, we have them on Minecraft. It's your own time you're wasting. Ramblings from Beyond the Classroom with Marie and Jodie. So this week we're discussing outdoor education and specifically how this can be enhanced by mobile phones, which is not something you might think of as a naturally symbiotic relationship. No. We're joined by Jack Reed, a PhD candidate at the University of Edinburgh. His research explores mobile technologies and social media in residential outdoor education at the Outward Bound Trust. Jack is interested in young people's experiences of education and how these experiences are filtered through online connected spaces and how these networked environments inform contemporary youth cultures. So here with Jack, we also have Emily Wormold. Emily works for the Outward Bound Trust. She started out as an instructor, taking young people out of their comfort zones and challenging them to go beyond in the mountains and the lakes of the Lake District. She continues that work as the Trust's Northern Education Account Manager, working alongside schools, colleges and youth groups, helping them to organise their residentials. Welcome, Jack and Emily. Indeed. Thank Hello. You. Yeah, it was fantastic oh, to see nice you Nice to see you too. Yeah, it's absolute yeah. pleasure to have you. Um, Emily, can you tell us a bit about Outward Bound? Yeah, so Outward Bound's an educational charity working with young people to offer adventure and learning in the wild. Um, we were founded in 1941, Ooh, so kind wow. of in the Second World War, um, focusing on training up young seamen and the skills that they need to, needed to survive kind of harsh conditions conditions at sea teaching them confidence tenacity and perseverance um obviously we've come a long way since 1941 but the Mm. principles still remain yeah Um, so we give young people the opportunities to develop skills that will set them up for success in their lives and inspire them to believe that they're capable of more than they think that they ever thought possible and it's all founded on um kurt hans principle principles getting young people to believe they're capable of more than they think Um, So we have six centres around the UK um, Mm. in the Highlands of Scotland, Lake District and Snowdonia and our courses centre learning through adventure, taking young peoples into the mountains, onto the water and developing things like confidence, resilience, self-belief and it sets them up with the skills that they need to tackle Mm. the real world um, head on believing in themselves. Um, Jack, how did your research with Outward Bound come about? Yeah, so it came about quite a long time ago now, or at least it feels that way. Um, I first came across the PhD in 2019. Mm. Um, It was an advertised PhD. Um, So it's a collaborative PhD between the Outward Bound Trust and between the University of Edinburgh. So from the very outset, the topic has been set, really. Um, And that topic was always to explore how young people's experiences of Outward Bound um, in these modern times are influenced by mobile technologies, but also by things like social media and and so on. So it was a kind of a, a designed PhD, I suppose. Um, which has been really nice. So I was able to kind of come in. I started in October 2020, um, just as we were about to go into another lockdown. Um, And and yeah, I spent 12 months designing the research and working very closely with um, senior leaders and instructors within um, Outward Bound itself. 
and created or designed a, a kind of research approach that I think, well, first of all, was incredibly exciting. I spent um, quite a few weeks at different outward bound centres, um, climbing mm. mountains, canoeing mm, across nice. lakes. And, and <laughs> yes, it was it was fantastic. Um, and I'm now at the stage where I'm trying to write a thesis. Um, so I've got mm-hmm. all of my data, um, I've done the analysis. And so, so, yeah, kind of at the stage, this exciting stage of being able to come and talk to people like yourselves about what I've discussed and um, and what I've found. So, so, yeah, that's kind of the journey so far, Brilliant. at least. Sounds really interesting. So, as usual, we have some comments from listeners on this topic. So we're going to go to the first one, which is from a Year 6 teacher. We always run a residential outward bound trip in Year 6, It's a great opportunity for children to take risks and move outside of their comfort zones. A lot of the risks that young people take nowadays are not necessarily physical, so being willing to become braver and more resilient through physical tasks is a great way to prepare them for the transition to secondary. So what kind of are the benefits from your guys' point of view about outdoor education for young people? Why is it so important? So um, one of the brilliant things about Outward Bound is that we've got kind of a designated in-house evaluation team which means that we have all these wonderful things happening in the mountains and on the lakes but also a team that sit there and and evaluate the courses so we get young people involved kind of pre and post course or we have projects longer term of um, getting in touch with schools and teachers and young people kind of six months so they don't just turn up do it and go home it's sort of yeah yeah so it's kind of that full um, picture and obviously for us it means that we have a really good understanding about what works for our courses and Mm. and how the 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 courses impact young people in on a long-term basis um and obviously that really helps Mm. with funding and everything else so definitely in terms of outward bound um our latest report um showed that our courses are really successful at enabling young people to develop confidence and social skills and helping Mm. them to reconnect with their peers um, and interact and know how to Mm. speak with one another and work together again Um, post-COVID. Obviously, for the couple of years of COVID, they didn't... They didn't exactly. work with young yeah. with their peers. They didn't work in teams. Um, so we know that kind of outdoor education is really important for that. And it off, it gives them the opportunity to learn about resilience and tackling that fear of failure. Mm. So they're trying things and activities and new things um, and, le- and in a really safe environment where if they fail, if yeah. they can't get to the top of that mountain or they forget their gloves or... Um, get a bit cold and hungry <laughs> then it's a, it is a obviously while challenging but also a really safe mm, environment yeah. to fail because then yeah. they'll work with their team to come back to it and think right how can we improve on that tomorrow when we're going out again and doing this other activity yeah. um, and then that re- we know that that really helps when they're back in school they've they've had practice of trying something difficult um, having challenges along the way and then getting to the end of it and seeing what they've achieved and then mm. we know that that really helps them when they're facing kind of um we talk about uh real mountains in, mm. in the lake district in, yeah. in snowdonia they're standing at the bottom of this massive mountain looking up at it with their big heavy backpack thinking how on earth yeah. are you going to climb yeah. this mountain 
and at the end they look back and they look down from the top and think of all these things that they've done that mm. help themselves and their peers yeah. and their friends to get to the top of that mountain and then we transfer that back to yeah. life back at school what the metaphorical mountains that they're going to face when they're back in at back at high school looking at those mock assessments yeah. or GCSEs or and I think like you say people are so keen to get outdoors more mm. since Covid like I know I run the local junior rowing club and our numbers have gone from two to 32 since wow. COVID. Like, it's just because people are so keen to be outside and doing stuff. And yeah, yeah I think it really ties in with that kind of mental um, mm. well-being and mental mm. health as well. There's such an agenda of getting young people outside and challenging yeah. themselves or see trying new things. And that's such a, well, it was something that was completely lacking for two that's years right, yeah. during yeah, the pandemic. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. And I think there's probably something in, in there as well around actually connecting to nature as well. You know, mm. in, in school environments, we know that, that outdoor play spaces are, are being sort of drastically reduced actually on school yeah. campuses. And so having the opportunity to come out and experience nature in in the Lake District or in the Highlands of Scotland. Um, I think that's really important, especially given, you know, we are in a climate and ecological crisis. And I think Mm. that having that direct connection and being able to sort of generate your senses and feel and touch and smell Mm. nature, that's, I think that that's, that connection is really important. Um, But I think the outdoors is also a fantastic way of, of bringing learning to life um i haven't come across a topic that you can't teach mm-hmm. outdoors whether mm. it be history or geography or yep. science you know all sorts of different um yeah. fields can be educated through the outdoors um mm-hmm. and so i think certainly when it comes to um, organizations like outward bound but also just mm-hmm. educating out, outside more broadly it absolutely just brings yeah. learning to life yeah, doesn't it absolutely. which i think is really yeah. important yeah it's just nice to breathe the fresh air sometimes isn't it yeah absolutely uh, I have another comment from a listener to share with you. This one is from a parent to a student who's just returned from an outdoor residential. Uh, my daughter recently went on an activity residential with her school. She wasn't allowed to take her phone, which she was quite nervous about. But with hindsight, it was by far the best thing. She had a fantastic time and the lack of communication with home meant that she could really throw herself into all the activities. The whole experience has really grown her confidence. Mm, so, Jack, traditionally schools have tried to keep mobile technologies both out of the classroom and away from residential trips. Do you think they're fighting a losing battle? But is this a battle they need to have? Mm, that's an interesting mm. question, isn't it? And I mean, I can only speak from my experience in the outdoors, which you know is very different, I'm sure, to having 30 young people in a classroom yeah. or trying to mm. go on TikTok. I'm sure that that must be <laughs> very different. Um, but I am really interested in, in this idea of it kind of being a battle. Um, and certainly some of the data that I've generated has actually kind of looked at ways that mobile technologies and social media and broader spaces like gaming on Minecraft um, or Netflix, for instance, are actually generating an opportunity for young people to to talk about Mm. some of this stuff. Mm. Um, So I do have a couple of examples um, from my um, engagement with young people. The first was in Erery National Park in northwestern Mm. Wales. And it was a super hot day and we were out, uh, we were going camping. We were going to go and climb a mountain and we decided that we were going to camp just below the summit overnight mm, and then wow. go and try and catch oh, the sunrise lovely. in the morning, um, <gasps> which was amazing. It really was. Um, but on the way there, we walked through a huge forest called the Diffie mm. Forest. 
Um, and for most of the young people who were there, this was the first time they'd seen this kind mm. of environment. You know, it was it really was incredible. You know, the sun was coming through the trees. It was wow. it was yeah, it was idyllic. Um, and we paused for a water break, and the young people all of a sudden started collecting some sticks and were digging a hole over to the side of one of the tracks. And so I thought, hmm, with my re- sort of researcher hat on, I thought, well, this is, this, there must be something going on here. Mm-hmm. So I went over and just asked a few questions. And as it turns out, they were digging for what they called the upside down. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not yeah. sure if you've come across <laughs> the upside down yeah. um, from yeah. Stranger Things. So mm-hmm. for any listeners who don't know what Stranger Things is, um, it's a Netflix series. I think it, there's um, four series now and there's a yeah. fifth in production um, where there's a kind of physical dimension that you mm-hmm. would typically call normal life and an alternate dimension that's beneath your feet that you can dig for um and beneath your feet is where all the bad things happen Mm -hmm, and and so on would highly recommend watching um it's brilliant yeah it really is Um, (laughs) yeah it is scary it is scary (laughs) um but for the young people this was informing their imagination and Mm. informing the ways that they were engaging with nature and so initially i thought it was quite jovial quite amusing but it actually was quite serious. Um, you know, for, for these young people, this was the first time, like I said, that they were in this environment. And so there was a hint that the upside down could have mm. been beneath their feet. Wow. Yeah. Um, and there is a character at the end of, I think it's series three, and I, I won't do any spoiler alerts just in case anybody <laughs> wants to listen, um, who who dies in, in the series. And there was a call around digging for this person to see if they could find them. And so, like I say, there was an element of realism there, which was very interesting. Um, And then the second one was actually around Mm. Minecraft. Um, Mm. So the game Minecraft, where you can kind of build environments and build a house and and so on. Um, I'm sure most people are familiar with that. But I saw um, in the Lake District, actually, we were canoeing Mm. across Oldswater. And we were waiting for one of the steamers that goes up and down in the summer to dock. So we were sitting out in the middle of the lake. It was a beautiful day. And the instructor was describing some of the trees that that we could see on the the bank of of Oldswater. And instead of it being an oak tree or an elm or or whatever it might be, the young people straight away related Mm. that to Minecraft and about how actually this was something that they could build a house with or something that was a fantastic Mm. building block for something else. Um, And so, so yeah, I guess that idea of of it being a battle or it's, it maybe overlooks some of the Mm. nuance that I was seeing in terms of the ways that young people are engaging in these online environments, certainly learning in these online environments Mm. and then applying that almost, I I suppose, a sense-making baseline to interpret what they were seeing and thinking yeah. and feeling. So, so yeah, that's kind of what I saw. Um, but what I also saw was actually Outward Bound kind of constructing purposeful phone-free mm-hmm. time yeah. as a yeah. challenge and as something that was part of the Outward Bound experience. And very often young people were actually really keen to do that and to experience often for the first time, 24 hours without their phone. Yeah. Um, and there was, of course, a few people who were concerned about that. But again, it was about pushing that, that idea of being comfortable and mm. trying to see what 
actually what life might be like without a mobile phone um and so kind of yeah. flipping it on its head as well um interestingly with the netflix example the young people didn't have their phones oh. um oh, wow. yeah. there so, so even though their phones weren't present um it was still yeah. you know that kind of online space informing their experience yeah yeah and it's so interesting that these pupils and students do not have the experience of not having a mobile phone because like if you're mm-hmm. as old as I am mm-hmm. I remember life before the internet so you know <laughs> yeah. but they genuinely they don't obviously so it's, uh, it's so interesting isn't it I mean I, I was born in in 1995 so mm. almost at the the turn of this yeah. kind of internet yeah. age um, and I did have a, a phone-free early childhood, mm. um, but not so much towards the end of my childhood, certainly. Um, and that's something that I saw actually come through quite strongly at Outward Bound mm. was was young people really having a thirst to connect and connect yeah. with home um, and friends. And one thing that came out quite prominently was Snapchat yeah. streaks and mm. needing to, to maintain, maintain, streak. needing to maintain yes. the streak. Yeah. Um, and that was a real source of anxiety yeah. for some young people, actually, was the fear of of, of kind of losing that streak. Mm. Um, and so, so yeah, that kind of 24-hour period, I guess that was what I was sort of referring to when some young people were maybe yeah. a little bit unsure, was actually yeah. needing to walk them through quite quite carefully, actually, this is what's going to mm. kind of happen. Mm. Um, this is why it's maybe beneficial. Um, but critically, you will of get your course. phone back at the end and you will be able <laughs> yeah. to speak with your parents tonight. Yeah. And that element of, of comfort and safety was being sought of through course. the phone, yeah. interestingly. Yeah. Um, and I think post-COVID mm. as, as well, where we know that young people have spent a lot more time at home and, and yeah. so on, um, you know, very often the young people I was engaging with, it was the first time maybe ever that they had left their local mm. town, but certainly post-COVID. Yeah. Um, and and so mm. it was a big step to get on the bus on of a Monday course. morning and, and go away for five days. And yeah, the phones absolutely. facilitated yeah. that sort of sense of mm. safety, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, it's a totally different world that young people are growing up in now compared to absolutely. even, yeah, uh, yeah, I was when it yeah. wasn't that long ago, yeah. kind of, yeah. it changed yeah. so much. Yeah, and I think we need to understand years. that when we're educating young people, mm-hmm. that this is the world they are used to. And so not mm-hmm. to maybe not to demonise the technology, but just mm-hmm. use it and then also have periods of time when they don't have it so they can see what it's like to not have yeah. it. I think that's really good. It's your own time you're wasting. So why not stick the kettle on, put your feet up and have a cuppa? Ah, bliss. Okay, so let's just come to our final um, audience comment, uh, which takes a little bit of a different tack. So here Mm. it is. When I was in year nine, about 30 years ago, we were all sent on a week-long trip which involved hiking, canoeing, abseiling and all sorts of other adventurous activities. I should have been really excited, but basically I just remember being terrified because I had my period. The toilets were awful, the showers were communal, which is painfully embarrassing when you're a pubescent girl. While I think that outdoor activities are great for team building and personal growth, I think when you are a teenager... Appropriate facilities are an important part of the mix, which often gets ignored. That's from a media studies Mm. teacher. Mm -hmm. So, Emily, many students will have fears Mm -hmm. about going away on residentials for 
all sorts of reasons. Mm-hmm. Do you think kind of allowing access to mobiles can help to alleviate these fears? Do you think there's other stuff we can do? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting one. And Jack's touched on it about how kind of mm. mobile phones can be kind of a portable mm-hmm. comfort zone for young yeah. people. But I think one of the fa- my favourite and I think one of the most powerful parts of an outbound course is that on the first day of the course, it's really almost all courses start in our very traditional way of going for a jog and dip. And they sometimes nice. very much kind of applaud <laughs> Pop. sometimes they're a, a longer run um but it's thinking about getting young people immersed in the yeah. wilderness and into kind of the mindset of this being a learning opportunity as quickly as possible mm. and so it's really common that on a Monday of a start of a course you'll see all these little groups of students down on the the, the lake shore mm. or the lock shore mm-hmm. um in their circle of their team and talking about comfort zones and often that will get drawn out on the in the sand or with a rope on the on the beach and really thinking about kind of what's inside your comfort mm. zones the world that you're familiar with the things you know and you do daily that um that you're yeah. comfortable doing yeah and then the things that will come this week that might be in mm-hmm. that stretch zone and the stretch zones are really important place to go to because that's yeah. where learning happens um yeah. that's new things but actually to step into that stretch zone will feel like mm-hmm. a stretch and then there's the panic zone beyond yeah. that mm. and actually really emphasizing to stu- to the young people that some things will be within their comfort zone if someone's been in scouts all their life then walking up a mountain or they yeah. go on yeah. holiday with their parents lots to the Lake District, then being on away for five days in the Lake District might actually already be within yeah. the comfort zone. Mm. But for others, and it sounds like this kind of person that submitted in this kind of comment, actually just being away from home in a new mm. environment, yeah. in kind of a world that they're not used to, is going to be outside yeah. their comfort zone. And that's great, but how can we support people within mm. that? And it starts a really nice conversation of how can the team around that those people come together to... Um, mm to build confidence of everyone to support people to encourage them where it's needed and I mean yeah kind of our instructors are so brilliant at facilitating that and then it it Mm. kind of progresses on that everyone kind of goes into the lake to some amount that they're kind of stretched by so for some people that might just be putting their toes in or going to their (laughs) ankles other people might be jumping in off the jetty and that's fine that for different people um that level of challenge is going to be different and challenging for um each individual personally um but I think it's really important that as leaders as a um, as a trust mm. we yeah we really think about how young people feel coming to our centers yeah. and how we can put things in place to make them feel yeah. safe and it's that hierarchy of, of needs isn't it of, um, no learning yeah. is going to happen in yeah. a positive way that we want it to unless people are yeah um, fed and watered mm. and feel safe and comfortable mm. in the environment they're in so it's definitely um Something we obviously yeah focus on so much of making people feel yeah. safe and comfortable in the situation they are in so that they yeah. can then take those steps. Just to go back to the jog and dip, is that all year round? Because yeah, I've amazing. swum in Ellswater in o- yeah. October and it is cold. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's, it's a very traditional thing. Obviously, it mm. started um, back in, in Wales when we were talking about kind of um, people... Yeah on boats surviving that cold Mm. water but now it's very much a a really immersive experience where they have to come together and Mm. cheer each other on and and in January when it's snowing outside and they're standing at the shore of the lake it feels it's madness (laughs) isn't it are we really gonna do this everyone to stand there and and do a little bit of kind of challenging themselves it just sets the tone amazingly for the next five days of the course and 
yeah and in also, january i see photos often or i i pop <laughs> down to see one of my customers at the lake and you see pictures of people jumping in on in january and wow. young people are mad they're, they're yeah. stronger than adults <laughs> <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, when we went in October, my feet came off the ground, therefore I technically <laughs> swam. That was my rule. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Yeah. yeah. As, um, as part of my research, I, I took part in three different jog and dips um, mm. at the three different centres. And it was just incredible, actually. I mean, so, so I did go into Oldswater. Um, this was in May. So maybe mm. a little bit warmer than o- October. Yeah. I'm not sure. Definitely. But it was still, it was still yeah. Baltic, I thought, yeah. at least. Um, and there was a young person in the group who was really nervous, actually, mm-hmm. about going into the water. Um, and so we kind of, as a team, came around and, and just sort of walked this young person through it. And mm. eventually he was able to come up to his knees um, mm. and his confidence was you know, increasing a little bit. And then all of a sudden it was up to his hips. And yeah. after about five minutes, he managed to submerge oh, wow. his face, wow. um, yeah. which was just amazing. And the power of that experience mm. for yeah. that young person was, well, yeah, you, you just almost can't put it into words, really. Mm. Um, sort of seeing the transformation, even just through mm. one activity. And I got speaking with him afterwards um, just to say how fantastic that was. Yeah. And he said, and uh, this will be in my thesis, he said, um, I saw an influencer do it. And so I felt uh, like I could do it. Uh, and so he was t- telling this story of how before he came to Outward Bound, he was looking at some of the activities that are likely to mm. be taking place. And he's, he went on YouTube oh, and he yeah. was looking at some of these experiences and so it was that foundational yeah. experiences of or experience mm. of seeing the influencer that was one of the contributing of factors to make him think, you know what, I can do this. So yeah, it was that interesting to interesting. see. That's really nice because we recorded a podcast a while ago um, that had was talking about influencers in kind of such a negative mm. way mm-hmm. um, and kind of how they can be such a yeah. negative influence. So it's, it's good to kind of know that there's a, a positive right. influence out there as well and kind of, yeah, and Ullswater obviously is just such a nice location. Talking about this is making me feel really jealous. <laughs> Yeah. But, and it can be a really like a, a, ma- a really powerful for it, like frame to the start mm-hmm. of the course as well. So at Lochiela, our centre in the Scottish Highlands, mm-hmm. you're there in in the sea lock. So it's salty. It's obviously a very yeah. different yeah. environment to lots of young people are used mm-hmm. to. But then also you can see Ben Nevis. You can see all these massive mountains around you, and mm-hmm. you can stand there and be like, right, actually, we're gonna. We're going to climb over there this week. We're going to canoe from here wow. down to here. Yeah. We might camp over there. And it can be a really amazing like foundational yeah. point for the week. And then mm. it all builds on that. So remember that time where we cheered on um, each other to go a yeah. little bit further into the yeah. into the water. And it builds on the week and frames them, their learning. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Do some hard things that might make them a bit uncomfortable yeah. and cold. Yeah. But actually, we're going to cheer each other on. We're going to try something new. And at the end of the day, we'll be back yeah. in the showers nice and warm in a bit. So it's only 10 <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and yes. then you'll feel amazing because you've done it. Yeah. I went to one right. place Sorry. in the Lake District in Ellswater. I think it was on Ellswater. And it was just this really cool cliff you could jump off. And it was really, it wasn't even a cliff. It wasn't that high. Mm-hmm. But it was just so mm-hmm. much fun. And yeah. like we- the difference between my sister and I kind of, and my brother-in-law, was amazing because I had no problems doing it mm-hmm. my sister it took herself mm. some persuading and there's no way that my brother-in-law was even going to think about <laughs> doing it it was hilarious I think one of my favorite like m- moments when I was instructing with that on that Monday trying to have a jog and dip and young people mm. being terrified of this water it's mm. such an unfamiliar environment for young people that aren't used to swimming 
let alone yeah, an open yeah. water that's not a nice kind of chlorinated swimming pool yeah. and so actually you have that ma- major challenge at the beginning of the week but then by the Friday they're really up for that challenge they've, mm. they've grown that comfort zone and so it's quite um, you'll see often on a Friday afternoon a Friday morning sorry um, in the lakes um, young people doing a jogging dip again or progressing it and yeah. going on a powerboat to probably those same cliffs yeah. you jumped yeah. off Jody over to Kale Park the other side of the lake and you can um, yeah you can climb up on, on, onto a small ledge and yeah. the biggest jumps are meter and a half like it I stand at the top of it and feel yeah, pretty it's quite like, big. Yeah. big jump no um, it's bigger than that this but, one I wonder uh, what but was. what an amazing mm. experience to go yeah. that whole kind of learning at the beginning of the week to being putting your toes in your knees yeah. in, finding that challenging but by the end you're there wet suited up with helmets yeah. and, yeah. and you're jumping yeah, in amazing. off the powerboat like what, what a brilliant yeah, yeah. And, and easy to see. it's easy to see it isn't it happening in front of your eyes mm-hmm. when so much of learning mm-hmm. in the classroom is more difficult to pin down sometimes mm. yeah yeah, mm-hmm. I was also interested in in the feedback that you read out there, um, Marie, around the kind of facilities yeah. associated mm-hmm. with outdoor education. And I think, was it 30 mm-hmm. years ago that your listener had their yeah. experience um, around kind of being on her period and the kind of communal yeah. showers and these kinds of things. And actually, that's in terms of outdoor education in, in the present day, that absolutely no. isn't the case um, yeah. in terms of, um, you know, those facilities are, are fundamentally different. Mm. Um, but also, I was really interested in kind of thinking a little bit when I saw that comment and when I heard it just then around kind of normalizing some of these conversations around periods and these kinds of things. And I think that actually Outward Bound is an opportunity if young people are, are, are kind of keen mm. to pursue that and if mm. teachers are keen to pursue that to, to actually normalise this and to know that you can wear a wetsuit yeah. on your period and, yeah, and these kinds an of things. Point. So also around having those kinds mm. of conversations. Um, and there's another PhD candidate at the University mm. of Edinburgh. Mm. Um, her name is Morgan Luddington, who is looking at female experiences in the outdoors, especially oh, um, around periods. Um, yeah. And so there is a kind of research foundation being built there as well, which is amazing. So, so yeah, I thought I'd just quickly mention that. So this is a question for both of you. What advice would you give to teachers planning residential or activity trips and how can they incorporate mobile technologies into their planning to benefit the students? Yeah, I, I can maybe start off with on that mm. one. So something that I saw um, kind of coming through quite prominently was actually the role of parents in all of this um, and young people feeling like they need to keep in mm. touch with parents, um, first of all, because mm. of what we've already discussed around kind of feeling safe and comfortable. Um, but I also saw some young people feeling a little bit of pressure to get in touch with parents, um, especially when phones were being left at home or left at the centre rather for yeah. um, extended mm. periods of time. So one of the the kind of, piece of pieces of advice that I would have for any teacher thinking about doing this would be to bring parents along from the very outset and explain to them that actually there's going to be times where your young person isn't going yeah. to be contactable. Mm but I can guarantee you that they are absolutely mm. safe. Um, and and I think actually kind of heading that yes. off at the past quite early is quite important. Um, mm. and, and, and it is, I mean, naturally a parent is going to be concerned about their young person going away for that period of time. Yeah, of but also a young person is going there to learn. Um, mm. And what I saw at least was that some young people did feel a little bit of pressure to be like, oh my goodness, mm. I need to contact mm. my mum. I need to speak to my dad yeah. tonight, um, otherwise they'll worry about me. So mm-hmm. there was a little bit there. Um, and also 
what I did see, and I have seen work quite well, is teachers posting on social media during yes. the residential yeah. trip. So being on Twitter and saying, you know, day three mm-hmm. updates, and there's yeah. lots of photos and all these kinds of things, um, which is actually really nice, actually, in terms of when you get back to the school, to then be able to show this to the young yeah. people yeah. and say, look what we were doing yeah. last week. Do you remember? This was day three. And to kind of use that as a method of enhancing that transfer of learning and that development mm. of memory. And I think that's where photographs and kind of taking a waterproof mm. camera or something like yeah. that could be really helpful. So, so yeah, the kind of parenting thing, certainly. Um, and then also sharing on, on kind of yeah. social media, I think is, is two ways that yeah. can help Absolutely. that kind of stuff. And definitely kind of, I think we find kind of working with all these different schools across the country, the the better prepared the young people are for kind mm. of what to expect, but also knowing that this residential is going to be a learning opportunity. It's not just a holiday where it's going to be easy all the time. Mm. And the more that they're prepared, the more that yeah. they get from it. And it's um, schools that can... Um, make it part of kind of a longer term investment of kind of this this happens at this key time in year eight and we're mm. going to build up to it and afterwards we're going to really utilize mm. that learning and the more of that that happens obviously within challenges of fitting everything into yeah. the curriculum yeah um, but it works it, it then isn't just a standalone five-day mm. experience and it's mm. um it is definitely a challenge of how you can transfer that learning back into the young yeah. people's real worlds. But the more you can do that, the um, then the young people will yeah. remember the experience for mm. going mm. forward um, and remember those skills that they drew upon to get to yeah. the top of that mountain or when they were scared, mm. when they were standing um, at the bottom of a cliff, cliff face, having to rely on their friends to kind of belay them up and keep them safe. Um and there's just there's loads of brilliant resources that people can draw upon to kind of set up that learning and reuse it back um, when they get back into school. But it definitely is kind of the more that can be done, the yeah. longer lasting effects. Um, and it's yeah, um, it is a challenge to get right for sure. Mm. It's your own time you're wasting. Ramblings from Beyond the Classroom with Marie and Jodie. There's not a lot they don't know about teaching. We like to finish with uh, Two Stars and a Wish, which, if you don't know, a star is a positive idea or experience from this episode and a wish is a wish. We all know what wishes are. Um, Does anyone have a star they'd like to start with? Um, I think my star was definitely... I find it so fascinating hearing about um, what Jack found on the Mm. courses and actually just totally coming from such a different lens to what I saw when I was instructing Um, and the link to kind of Stranger Things Mm. and Minecraft just becoming young people's real world that they're so, they see it as such a real thing is fascinating. Mm. Um, Yeah. Lovely. Nice. Yeah. And I think think mine was, was kind of, Maybe a bit bit broader, but kind of maybe building on Emily's piece there a, a little bit around young people actually bringing this set of knowledge to mm. the outdoors is is actually outdoor education as a method of, of broadening young people's mm. horizons. Yeah. Yeah. You know, very often, you know, especially with the Minecraft and Netflix references, it was like, oh my goodness, these these environments actually yeah. exist. Mm. I can't believe this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were we were canoeing. Funnily enough, across Oldswater, I feel like we've discussed Oldswater a lot today. Because <laughs> Oldswater is um, heaven. Yeah, exactly. And we were canoeing across, and this this young person, almost under his breath, there was nobody listening, but I was sitting next to him, 
and he was looking out at the environment and he just said, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe oh, what I'm oh. seeing. And it wasn't for the benefit wow. of anybody else, but it was just just for yeah. him. Um, and I think really that, that would be the star point that I would take away is actually, mm. yeah, just the power of educating in these environments. Yeah. Yeah. It just can't be replicated, no. I don't think. Agreed. Do we have a wish for outdoor education? Oh, oh my I goodness. Think mine, I think so mine gets really big and kind of why <laughs> the government should fund outdoor education for every young yeah, person. Absolutely. And we're seeing yeah. it in Wales and Scotland. Mm. Um, we're seeing that, that on the agenda and hopefully yeah. the same in England as well um, because yeah. we know the power of outside. Yeah. Well, when, when I was thinking about this earlier, I did write down residential experiences to be compulsory for all young Excellent. people in the UK. That, yes. was, that was what I wrote down. And I did do a little bit of searching, actually, around what's happening in Scotland and Wales. And there's lots of exciting things. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Scotland, they're currently looking at a residential outdoor education Ooh. bill, um, which has been consulted on. And I think they had... 535 responses of which over 95 percent indicated they wanted residential outdoor education to be compulsory in scotland Mm. Um, and in wales they're currently consulting on an outdoor education bill as well looking at making residential outdoor education compulsory so so yeah it's a wish but it's also absolutely somewhere it's happening hopefully fingers crossed yes that's really (laughs) good so Thank you very much for listening and thank you to our two guests. Don't forget to like, follow and subscribe. And if you have any comments you wish to send to us, please send them to... beyondmailbag at twinkle.co.uk. Thank you, Jodie. You're the expert. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is proudly produced by Beyond. Please bear in mind the views and opinions expressed are those of individuals and may not represent those of Beyond or Twinkle.